Turn with me to 2 Kings, 2 Kings. And while you're turning to 2 Kings, uh, let me say, as we was thinking about that song, I was thinking on the other direction. Uh, we as Christians, I mean, that's what we're living for. And that's what we're striving for. And we're looking forward to that day. And to the world, it's not going to happen. But uh, let me tell you something, it's going to happen. Like Brother Charlie said in the Sunday school lesson this morning, they didn't think the flood was going to happen, but it happened. And the world doesn't think that the Lord's coming back after his church, but he is coming after his church. But there's another side to that. Those that are not ready, not prepared to meet their Lord. While we're enjoying, us as Christians, that old country speaking there of mine, <laughs> While we're enjoying it and we're having the time of our life, we just begin to live. But on the other hand, those that are not a child of his and did not believe, did not accept him, will be spending eternity in hell. And you say, preacher, you preach about hell every Sunday. That's right. And I'm just going to keep on preaching it because hell is real. Heaven is real. I believe it. I believe from the bottom of my heart, heaven is real. And I'm planning on going there. And I also believe from the bottom of my heart that hell is real. And so I'm trying my best to get everybody to go to heaven that I can because we want to have a full bus load when we get ready. In 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, 2 Kings, the 5th chapter, we want to look at some scripture this morning that uh, you're very familiar with, a story that's very familiar to each and every one of us. And this is about the, a man by the name of Naaman. Now, Naaman wasn't a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. He wasn't of the children of God. The Syrians were the enemy of Israel, but God had used the uh, Syrians there to uh, bring uh, Israel into bondage because of their unbelief, because of their failures, because of the things that they'd done that was displeasing unto God. And God had used them. And it starts off in verse 1. It says, now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria and he also a mighty man of valor. Uh, he was a great man, and a few years back, you all remember, uh, some of you more mature people remember talking of Stormin', Stormin' Norman? Uh, when we first got into uh, the Iraq and the places over there, into the, uh, the desert sands and the storms and the uh, battles that was going on, uh, we called him Stormin' Norman. He was a man, he was uh, uh, well thought of by our president. Boy, he had a lot of insight, and, and, and he was uh, what we called an honorable man. And, and he was one that was uh, a, a good leader that our, our nation could depend on. And it talks about this, and it says he was a mighty man of valor. And then there's that word but. But he was a leper. And, as, and the Assyrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. 
And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter and unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Uh, this was a great, great sum of money. Uh, his uh, master, the king there, wanted him to be healed of this leprosy, and if there was a chance, he was going to not wait a minute, so they immediately made haste and left uh, and departed. And then in verse 6, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is coming to thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel." So Naaman came to it, uh, with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again unto thee, that thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wrought and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out and see me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. After are not Abamana and Potiphar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, we remember the little servant back in the other verse, the little maid. She said, boy, if my master was just in my home country with the prophet, he could be cleansed of this. Now, I think God put some more servants in place there in verse 13. And his servants came nearer and spake unto him and said, my father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he saith to thee, wash and be clean. Now this is where he humbled himself. Then went he down, he humbled himself and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And so as we look at this this morning, I want us to think of uh, this man by the name of Naaman. Uh, he was marked. Uh, he was a leper. Uh, as a leper, uh, you're marked. And they had to go around uh, in the uh, country of Israel. When they had this leprosy, there was no cure uh, from, by man, 
the only way that there was a cure of this leper was that if God touched them and God could make them whole. Now, this little maid, she knew that her uh, prophet that was back in the land uh, that she had been taken from, uh, that she knew, she just said, boy, you know, if he could just get back her to that prophet, uh, he could be made whole of this disease that he's got. And she believed that from the bottom of her heart, and there was no doubt. And I believe that God placed her in this house when they went and took her captive and brought her there uh, for this purpose. Now, Naaman was a great man. He was an honorable man, but he was a leper and he was marked. Uh, he had this leprosy. There was no cure for it and he was going to die. And I want us to realize this morning, uh, it's just like as a sinner. If you're a sinner and you're lost without Jesus, uh, you're marked. You're marked for death and you're going to die and you're going to spend eternity in a devil's hell because of that. Uh, and then when we look at it and we see here that how he was marked, and he was unclean. And Isaiah, the first chapter in verse 18, it says uh, that our righteousness, the best that we can do is this filthy rags in the sight of God. And he says, though your sins be as scarlet, you shall be as white as snow uh, as, uh, and as wool. And that means that the blood of Jesus Christ, the one that's going to come and die for the sins of the world, that blood will wash you as clean and white as snow. And he was marked for death. He was an honorable man. He was a great man. He was a respected man. He had riches. They sent great amounts of money, but the money was not what was going to heal him. And the first thing that they done was made a mistake here. The little maid said, if he could be a, go to my prophet, that prophet that's in that land, where did they go to? The first thing they done was made a mistake. They went to the king. She didn't say go to the king. The king couldn't do anything. It was the prophet, the man of God that was going to call on God uh, to heal this man. So we see this man was a great man. He was an honorable man. Uh, his country, he was well thought of, but he was marked and he was a leper and was going to die in that condition. So we see how then when they came to the house there, uh, they got to the king, uh, first of all, and the king uh, thought he was there to start a war or something, to stir up trouble. And then the prophet heard about it, and the prophet called for this man to be brought uh, to his house. And when he showed up at his house there, uh, we see that uh, when they got there, uh, the prophet didn't even come out. Didn't even come out. He was hurt. He was very important. He was a dignitary. He was a, an important man. He'd come a long distance to see this man, and he never even come out. Never come out the door. He just sent his servant out. He was in a miserable condition. I've got leprosy. I've traveled all this distance. I brought all of this money. I've got down here, and he won't even come out and see me. He says, just go down and dip in the Jordan River seven times. It says that he was angry here. It says in verse 11, now Nahum was wrought and went away. Uh, he was upset because he says, are not the rivers back in our home country much cleaner, much better than this Jordan River here? Why can't I just do this? 
and those other servants that God had put in place. Now, let me tell you something. I think God puts people in our lives, all down through our lives, to point us to Jesus Christ. I believe from the bottom of my heart. Uh, some Paul says some plant, some dig around it, some water, and then some uh, receive the increase. And, and I believe God put these people, this little maid, right there where he wanted her at. He put these other servants in place right there. When he was wrought, he was up upset. He was going back to his home country. He was in miserable condition, uh, and, and, and he's going to have to go back that same way. But those other servants said, Father, if he'd have asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done that? And see, that's the way it is in our salvation today. A lot of times we feel like we've got to do some great thing for God to save us. It is so simple, just like him dipping in the Jordan River. For God so loved the world. That means everybody. Everybody that's ever been born in this world. Not this world itself. It's talking about the people of this world. God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever does all these great things and pays all of this money and does all of these things shall be saved. No, it doesn't say that. It said that whosoever believeth in him. We just got to believe. And see, during the flood, Noah preached for 120 years. Nobody believed him. They laughed at him. They made fun of him. They laughed him to scorn. But he kept on preaching. Now, let me tell you something. When he come down to the end there, and that ark door was shut, and Noah and his sons and daughter-in-laws was in the ark of safety, that shouting ground. That's worth 120 years of preaching that your family is in the ark of safety. God made it so simple. He didn't tell this man he had to do a lot of great things. It was very simple. He said, just go down to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Now, I believe when he got down there and when they got there uh, in verse 14 that he went out into the water, he stepped out into that Jordan River, and he dipped one time. He come back up. He was still a leper. He dipped the second time, and he come back up, and he was still a leper. The third time, the fourth time, and the fifth time. How many times did the prophet say? He said seven times. And on that sixth time uh, when he come up, he was still a leper. But there was one more time. And he could have said, this is it. I quit. I'm going back. But he went down one more time. And when he came up that seventh time, it says that his skin was that of a little baby. I mean, it was pure and clean. And God had done what he said he would do here. He said, dip seven times. This man was marked. He was doomed. Uh, he was a leper. He was going to die. He had this disease that was incurable, and only God could cure him of that disease. Now, you can go on and read and read about this man, and he says, begins to tell of what he's going to do when he gets 
back to his home country. And he goes back and he sits down under the king's table. Uh, he sits down at the king's table now. And see, uh, uh, up until that time when they was a leper, they was marked. They had to stay away from other people because they didn't want them, the other people to catch that. And they stayed a distance and they'd cry out, unclean, unclean. He went back to the king's table. He put his feet under the king's table, a clean man. He was healed of that disease. Uh, he was totally that flesh. That was so rotten and, and that when he went down there with that leprosy and then he comes back and he puts his feet under the king's table, a whole man clean and made whole. And I'm reminded of Mephibosheth. You remember back when David was king and, and he began to ask if there was anybody of the Saul's lineage that was left. And they happened to remember about uh, Mephibosheth that uh, uh, was the uh, uh, king's uh, grandson and... Um, he was Jonathan's son, and he had been dropped as a little child, and he was crippled. And he asked for him to bring Mephibosheth back to uh, the kingdom there where David was at. And he restored everything that Saul had owned unto Jonathan's uh, son there, Mephibosheth. And, and he told Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was, uh, lived in the land of Lodibar, which was a, a nobody's place. It was a desert country. It was nothing. And Mephibosheth was nothing. He was a cripple. He couldn't do anything. Uh, he couldn't wait on himself. He couldn't uh, defend for himself. He couldn't do anything because he was crippled. And King David said, he re said, restore everything to Mephibosheth. Everything that the land takes in, uh, it comes to Mephibosheth. Uh, and boy, it's just like he stepped into a, a, a fortune there, which he did. But David said, but as for Mephibosheth, he shall put his feet under the king's table and he could eat at my table every meal. And that was restored unto him. And so what a blessing that was. And what a blessing it was for Naaman to be able to go back now uh, to his country. He left a marked man. He left a leper. Uh, he left uh, in a miserable condition. And when he went back home, he goes back home a whole man. He goes back home a cured man of that disease. And it's just like us. Uh, we, we go and take cancer treatments and we take cancer treatments and it's put in remission. Uh, this wasn't put in remission. Uh, he was restored and he was restored to uh, that great help that he had missed so much. So I want us to look at this this morning. And he was not able to correct his own faults. Naaman couldn't correct that. There was nothing that he could do about the illness or the disease that he had. His, his position that he held could not change his condition. He was an honorable man. He was a well-known man. He was a well-respected man. The king depended on him for their wars and the things and the battles when they went to battle. His pride only put him closer to death. That pride almost, almost. Last Sunday we preached about, almost thou persuadest me, almost, but lost. He was fixing to go back home a leper, still marked a leper. And that servant said, Father, Father, if he had asked some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? And he began to think. And see, 
uh, his finances could not buy what he really needed. He had all the finances, all the backing, but he couldn't buy that health. He was marked. He was lost. But once he submitted unto God and dipped seven times, he went back a healed man. This story could have went just as easily the other direction. If Naaman had have held on to that pride and said the river's back home, they're much cleaner than this, and I'm not going to dip in the muddy Jordan River. I'm not going to do it. He would have went back home with the leprosy, marked and doomed for death. But that one simple decision that somebody encouraged him, if he'd have just asked you to do some great thing, if he'd have asked you to work it out, you know, you would have done it, sir. And he began to think, and he humbled himself. See, he had to humble himself to dip in that Jordan River. And when he humbled himself, and went down the seventh time, and he came up. It was that obedience of humbling himself and dipping just like the man of God had said. See, we make those decisions in our life. We're faced with the same decisions all through our life. And I know that uh, every Sunday, as I mentioned earlier, it seemed like I preach on hellfire and damnation and repentance. And I think that's my job as the preacher on Sunday morning to do that. And I feel like that's my responsibility because I believe that God has put me here for a reason. It wasn't that I come and ask for this job. I didn't ask for it. God put me here. And I'm preaching the message that, that I feel like that God has laid on my heart. And it's like that little maid was put there for a reason. To tell her mistress about the prophet that was back in her home country. she done what she was supposed to do. Then those other servants that was there with the king. They could have kept their mouth shut. Go on back. I wouldn't dip in that Jordan River either. I'd go back. He could have, and he'd have went back, still a leper. But I believe God has put me here as maybe just a little roadblock along the way or to say something or to preach God's word and let it go out to a heart that's lost, that's marked and doomed for death. And see, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's just like him. He was lost. I mean, he was a leper. And then he said that when he went back, he said, when I go back and my king goes to worship and bows down to his God, he said, I'm going to say in my heart, there's no other God except the God, the Lord of the prophet, the God of Israel. Because he believed in his heart that that God was the one that cleansed him and made him whole. My cry is this morning and my plea is that 
if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, it's just like this leper. I mean, he was marked. He was doomed. And you can go through life and you can get along pretty good. And you can gain some wealth and you can get a good job and maybe uh, uh, just, you know, just do real well. But it says, what have you gained if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? See, this body, as we talked about Brother Bob Gillespie last Sunday, Sister Gail here, that body that he lived in is down here at the cemetery. But Bob Gillespie is at home with the Lord because of his faith and his belief. And there was a time in his life that he humbled himself and asked God to come into his life. He had to do that. He had to humble himself. You've got to realize that you're lost. I mean, Naaman realized, boy, I'm a leper. I'm in bad condition. I've got to have something done. If somebody doesn't intervene, I'm going to die a leper. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're in worse condition than Naaman was. You're going to die, and you're going to bust hell wide open. And while the saints are singing and shouting and all over heaven, and we're having the uh, life just begins, and we're having the most glorious time that ever was, you're still in hell throughout eternity. Simply because you did not make that decision to humble yourselves and say, I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I don't care how good you are. I know a lot of good people. A lot of good people. And I've had people to stand at the graveside. Uh, had, a, had a family one time. This woman, uh, she lived a wicked life. She was very mean. Uh, and, uh, but she was a good woman to her kids. She done a lot of things that she do, shouldn't done. She partied all the time and just wild, but was a good, good moral woman. Took care of her family, took care of her kids. And the daughter said, well, mom's at home with the Lord. Boy, she's having the time of her life because she felt like that because her mom was a good moral person that she was at home with the Lord. Hell's full of people that had good intention that was good moral people. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That perish means spend eternity in hell, but have everlasting life. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. And if you're here this morning and you're lost and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you've never asked him to come into your life, I'm going to ask you to go down for the seventh time this morning. I want you to dip for the seventh time. I want you to come forward and, and just confess to the Lord that, Lord, I'm a sinner. And, Lord, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I want to spend eternity in heaven with all my friends and loved ones. You make the decision this morning. And I know this message is probably scattered brain to a lot of us, but, uh, folks, when we come right down to it, Naaman was marked. He was a leper, and he was going to die a leper. But when he humbled himself, dipped seven times in the Jordan River, he went back home a clean, cleansed man. 
And you may have come into the auditorium this morning lost and don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you can lead, cleanse this morning. You can be set free. We celebrated our freedom of this nation this week. That freedom that we were set free and free people. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him as your Savior, you're in bondage to the devil, to sin, to the things of the world. And he wants to set you free this morning. It's totally up to you. While we sing, will you come? Don't hesitate. Just come on. I'll meet you. Somebody, take somebody by the hand. They'll come with you. Go ahead. 282, whiter than snow. Let him wash you whiter than snow this morning. Lord Jesus, I love you. 